Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be, hopefully, less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano, and joining me on today's episode is a dear friend, Mark Andrada. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Thank you for having me. Mark, you're a fellow podcaster. Yeah. And you have a podcast called We Like Theme Parks. We do. And... Tell me about that podcast. Um, well, it's me and Chris Bond and Dustin Foos uh, who do the podcast. And the three of us are all theme park enthusiasts to different degrees. Uh, Dustin is very much an insider. He used to work for the theme parks. Oh, cool. He worked for Disney, actually, for a while in Epcot. And uh, Chris, as you know, is a director and a writer, and he creates these big theatrical monstrosities. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have him on the show for oh, sure. You, yeah, we'll yeah. have him on. I, I feel like I had Chris. Yeah, I did have Chris Bond on the podcast in season two, I want to say, for anyone who's listening. It's like, I remember that name. Yeah. We were in a Casper mattress truck, and that's where we recorded that particular episode, Chris what? and I. Yeah. Why were you in a Casper mattress truck? They happened truck? to be in town. They were a sponsor of ours. Oh. It just kind of like all all coincided. That makes sense. But you have this wonderful podcast and you can find it on Stitcher, iTunes. All the regular places. Yeah. Cool. All the places you find podcasts. You have a love for musical theater. I do. And you, the thing I appreciate about the musical theater and how you love it is you don't just love the big hits, the Hamiltons, the Cats, the Evitas. The Cats of all the hits that you drop, Cats. <laughs> well, they're making a movie of Cats. Yeah, they really are. You also like the bombs. Oh, I love them. Okay, so can we talk about some – because I've had some people on the podcast where we talked about musical theater. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to talk about some of the bombs that you have seen. Sure. Starting with perhaps one of your favorites. Rocky. Okay, Rocky, Rocky the Broadway? musical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Tell yeah, me yeah. about that. Well, it's based on the movie Rocky starring Sylvester Stallone. And I believe Sylvester Stallone was even a producer on this. Uh, it uh, previewed in Germany. Oh, really? Yeah, of all places. Of all places. Uh, in German. And then I think they translated it to English. It's, I don't know why they made that choice, but they did. Sure. Uh, and it, it played mm, not very long on Broadway. I think it, it didn't make it through the summer. I think it opened in maybe February or March. Okay. And it, it didn't make it 
it didn't make it to August, I don't think. And why didn't it make it? Well, I don't think there's this thing that happens on Broadway. I think that it's it's funny that I think what's happening is people are trying to appeal to a masculine or male audience, quote unquote. Okay, uh, and it it just doesn't work. It's I think this is what we're seeing with things like Rocky and American Psycho. Okay, and like these sort of like testosterone heavy like. This is a man's theater. Like, this is what men see when they go see musical right. theater. Because uh, they nail down the kids pretty well. Sure. Uh, especially the young girls. But I think that they keep trying to get men into it, and it's not – it hasn't worked out yet, maybe. Except for maybe Book of Mormon, which I think is still just for everybody. Okay. But Rocky <laughs> – oh, Rocky. Uh, I mean, obviously, the story is incredible. Right. The cast was incredible. Really? Oh, okay. the cast was so good. Um, the um, the guy who played Rocky, uh, whose name is escaping me right now. I don't know why, because I've seen him so many times. He was also in Groundhog Day, the musical. Okay. Oh, why am I blanking? It's okay. That's we can gonna... look it up. No worries. Okay. And do you know who played the... Um, so one of my favorite roles in the Rocky movie is played by Burgess Meredith. I can't remember the character's name, but he's right. the coach. Yeah, Mickey. Mickey, thank you. Yeah. Mickey. Um, and do you know who played that? Like, was that actor great? He was very good. Uh, I don't... He, he had a really... Um, his role was sort of diminished okay. in the, in in the, the musical. In the, okay. Like, he didn't have, like, a show-stopping number. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it really focused on Rocky and Adrian. Okay, their love story. Yeah. And Rocky's sort of inner struggle to become, like the to become who he is, uh, the Act One closer yes. is like if you are on Spotify and mm. feel like listening to this, it's, please do this. If you're if you haven't fun, fallen asleep yet, yeah, and you're like, what will I listen to after I finish this podcast? This might inspire you to get up and go for a run, but okay. it's a uh, fight fight from your heart. Fight from the heart. Oh, so great. Yeah, and it's he talks to himself in third person. And it is like it is such an incredible like it's such a good he song. He talks to himself or he sings to himself. He sings to himself. Okay, Sorry, well, because yes. that's different. I, right. I always sing to myself in, in third, third person. person. <laughs> yeah, and and it's it takes place like the break happens, intermission happens right before his act of commitment, but right before he signs the contract to fight Apollo, uh, Apollo Creed. Uh, and so every time you see Rocky, the set, oh, that was the other thing about the show. The set design was the best set and lighting design I've ever seen. You're not being facetious here. No. You're, you're sincerely giving credit and credence to the no, set. The, the set design, the lighting design is probably top five that I've ever seen. The set design, I, I can't think of anything that comes close. Um, I guess SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical, comes okay. close. But... And, but that's because they took over the whole theater with sure. like a found object feel. This thing was just – anytime you saw Rocky, the ceilings of the set were low. He was uh, – it was cramped. It felt dirty and cramped. It, when he was in the pet store, it was bright and cramped. It was always – he was always like huge in, in these like small environments and he always looked like he didn't fit in and uh, it, he looked uncomfortable. Uh in a, does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Oh like, yes, I totally. Rock and, he, and it's just and everything's so squished in for a Broadway stage, and then he goes to Apollo's manager's office, and it is 
from the stage deck to the ceiling. Okay. Beautiful, bright art deco. And suddenly you see Rocky like standing there and now he looks tiny and he's just standing there and they leave him alone with the contract to sign and he doesn't know what he should do. And he's like, should I sign this? Like they want a clown. Like they want some idiot to come in here and just lose. And this is my shot. Wow. And he stands there with the contract and he signs it right before the lights come down and the intermission happens. But it's, it's such, it's such a beautiful and careful and deliberate choice to have him in these small environments and then have him like in this huge, bright art deco looking thing. Wow. Yeah. And then at the end of the show, when it's time for them to fight, the first 10 rows of the audience, the orchestra center, get lanyards when they come in. Oh, this is great. And they escort them out of their seats. No. Onto the stage, onto bleachers. And the entire stage, the ring that's on stage, that has been on stage the entire show because it, it, it's on stage at the beginning and then it flies away and it doubles as the ceiling in a lot of Rocky's environments. Like there's this ring just constantly hovering over him. Wow. Uh, and when it comes down for the fight and everybody's on stage, the entire thing moves out into the center of the audience. Are you serious? Yeah. Where it, was this? Which theater was that at? I want to say the Winter Garden okay. in New York. Yeah. Wow. And it comes out and then all these banners come down from the box seats and from the balcony and along the walls of like the Philadelphia Flyers. This so it becomes, amazing. Yeah. It becomes the Philadelphia Spectrum right. in there. And every, at this point, everybody is standing. And these two guys are fighting in the ring. Tell me they're not singing and fighting. No, they're okay, not. Okay, I, okay. Wish, okay. I wish. I wish. Right. That would have been a level of cheese that I would have enjoyed. But okay. th that didn't happen. But it's it's I believe it's gonna fly now. That's playing like the Rocky theme, okay. the the Rocky theme. So wait a minute. So these performers are not only great musical theater performers, but they've got to be built and able to fight. Oh, they're jacked. Wow. Yeah, they were jacked. So there's a lot of like stunt coordination happening in this too. Yeah. They this were doing, is very impressive. You're making me want to see this now. It's on YouTube. You can find the bootleg. Somebody posted a bootleg okay. on YouTube. I'll send it to you if you want. Oh, yeah. Because it's hard to find. I don't think it's under Rocky Broadway. I think it's just RB100, something like that. So it sounds impressive. Why do you think it didn't have the success that it sounds like it merited? Was it the music? I'm telling you all the good parts. Wrong, wrong, wrong place, wrong time. It's one of those things. Now, I don't, I don't want to bad talk the writers of the music because I don't know them. Sure. But it seemed to me mm -hmm. watching this that perhaps it was written by people who didn't know anything about boxing okay. and didn't, and I don't know anything about boxing sure. either, but I can tell when somebody is writing about something they don't know mm -hmm. about. Right. And it felt like there were moments where the musical was almost, I'm going to punch and punch some right. more. Okay. And, and like, there's one song in it that I like. I think I like it ironically, but I've liked it ironically for so long that I think I just like it now. Uh, and it's at the beginning of the show, it's maybe the second song or third song in, and it's, but my nose ain't broken. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's, I it's, mean, there's it, memories, there's don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah. And then there's, but, but my I, nose uh, ain't broken. Yeah. And it's because Rocky's so proud that he's never broken his nose. Right. right? So he sings a song about it, about how he's in all this pain and how he's got a bruise over here, over right. here and over here. 
But oh, hey, my nose ain't broken. This is great. <laughs> it's just, I remember sitting there watching that song and just being like, well, this is why. This is why. But that, I mean, but I remembered it, so that's saying something. And Adrian's love song is actually really good too. I hate to steer away from Rocky the musical, but mm-hmm. I want to touch because we're almost halfway through the podcast. Okay, I want to talk just do a about podcast only about Rocky. Other glorious Broadway bombs. That's what I'll call this episode because it's glorious and it's wonderful, and you have a love for it. You're not making fun. You actually have a no, a love. no, no. This isn't a shot in Freud. Like this isn't no. like I'm enjoying watching yeah. something. There's part of me that's fascinated by. A lot of people spending a lot of money on something that's just a little off base. Sure. Uh, and and I mean, like, American Psycho was one. There's something very endearing about that, actually. Yeah. And you, and you you kind of feel for this attempt at doing something great and missing the mark ever so slight or ever so large. And you're and dealing with – you're also dealing with, like, such supreme talent. Sure. Like – the cast was unbelievable. The cast of all of these shows are just next level. This... I, I had a friend in American Psycho. Oh, really? Yeah. Who were Drew they? Moorline. He was one of the... One of the businessmen. Yes. the guys. Yeah, I think so. I hadn't seen it, but he was in it. He's, and it was great. He, sings, great for... he sings the song about cards, their business cards. Okay. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. It's so good. So what was it? What, what did you love about American Psycho? American Psycho was, was difficult because I felt like the cast knew what they were doing and I feel like the writers and producers maybe wanted it to be a bit more serious than it, it was. I don't think they understood the satire. Okay. Or it didn't I don't want to say they didn't understand because I don't know, but it the satire didn't come across in the way that I think it needed to for that show to be a success. I see. Okay. Uh, because yeah, I mean, there's the, be- the beginning if you listen to the beginning, the first song in the show where he's listing all of his, like, you know, it's like, I've got a Sony Walkman and an 18-inch television. And right. he's bragging about these things that were so cool in the 80s. There is a layer now that we're so removed from it where we go, this is idiotic. Like, mm-hmm. what? Like what is this lifestyle? But this guy really exists. And he still exists today. Sure, most certainly. Yeah. And so, like, satirizing that kind of a person, I think, still works. But I, I think it was treated with a little too much sincerity does right. that make sense yeah i totally get it yeah. it could have afforded to be a little more tongue-in-cheek yeah or in on itself and i think the actors knew that and i think the actors because i saw it two nights to closing okay. this is usually what happens is i get excited about a show and it doesn't last it I see. nearly as long as i think it might and so i have to rush off to new york to see it okay and so this was one of those where i rushed off and i got to see the second or third last show so they were really hamming it up. Okay. And they were leaning in hard. And the lead guy was making a ton of jokes. And he would hold these beautiful pauses and make faces at the audience. He went off script at one point when somebody came in late mm-hmm. and just started yelling at them from the stage, wow. basically chastising them from the stage for coming in late. They were sitting in the second row. So okay, well, <laughs> he knew. Right. He could see them. Another bomb that you love? Uh, let's see another bomb that I love. Did you see Carrie the musical? I haven't seen Carrie. Okay. I missed it. I wanted to see it, but it that was another one. It was it it Came anytime it's gone up, it's gone away so fast right. that I haven't been able to pull it off. Because they still do that one. It's not like it's not done anymore. Yeah, people do it. it. People also do Silence of the Lambs the musical. Oh, I didn't even know that one. It's meant to be funny though. Okay, like it's sort of like. I the other thing I like is an inappropriate musical. Something that's been made a musical that. Why on earth? 
Like what was the choice, the initial choice? Give to, me an example of an inappropriate well, musical. Everything we've just said. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I thought like, there was one that was m- it's like, more. Well, there's a, there's a, t- I mean, Silence of the Lambs is unbelievable. Sure. And I couldn't possibly tell you about it because there's, it's filthy. Okay. It's a lot of Fair really enough. raunchy. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants, which I thought there's no way. Like, how is that going to be any good? Right. There's one good SpongeBob song, the best day ever song that okay. I heard because my nephew was playing it. But then I ended up seeing it because a guy was basically giving away tickets on Broadway. I thought it was a huge success. It was. Yeah. Okay. But I didn't know. And this is before the Tonys. So it hadn't okay. quite, it hadn't, nobody it hadn't registered on people's uh, radar yet. Mm-hmm. And I went to that 50% off booth in Times Square and we had just gotten in, and I wasn't committed to seeing a show, but if there was something that I wanted to see that we could get cheap tickets, sure. then I would do it. Okay. And there was a man standing there trying to scalp tickets to SpongeBob. And I said to him that I'd give him, I think I said I'd give him 80 bucks for the pair. And he was trying to sell them for 100 bucks each. Right. And, I, and he was livid. And he's like, no chance. And so I stood around and waited, and I watched this titles disappear from that board next to the 50% booth. So everything was getting sold out. Right. And finally he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, last chance. And he goes, no. And he gave me this dirty look and I walked away and uh, we, we walked away and, and he ran up to us and said, okay, fine. And so I got these tickets for less than face value. Okay. And we went in and our seats were maybe third row balcony. So okay. they're pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, I was astonished because the set was everywhere. Right. And it was like a found object feel, like underneath and around the stage were all these old 80s boom boxes that they had spray painted. And and I, I was so excited that I wandered around the theater. I went to the washroom first, and then I wandered around the theater, and then I sat down. And uh, my girlfriend uh, was sitting already in our seats. And I sat down just as it, the show was starting, perfect timing. Maybe the third song in the show, I leaned over and whispered to her, who wrote this? Because every song is a banger. Like right. every song is incredible. Okay. And she said, you didn't read the program? And I said, no. She goes, you should read the program. And I couldn't read. It was too dark. So at intermission, I open it up. Every song in that show is written by somebody else. The second show, the second song in the show is written by Brian Eno and David Bowie. It must be one of the last things he worked on. Oh, my goodness. Uh uh, T.I., the rapper T.I., yes. wrote the rap that Plankton uh, raps. Wow. Uh, the guys from Aerosmith wrote a song. John Legend wrote a song. They Might Be Giants wrote a song. Uh, the list is like it's a long list. So, Mark, is it fair to say you walked in thinking this would be a bomb? Yeah. And it was a glorious hit before it was a glorious hit amongst yeah. the masses. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't expect it. And then... The guy who played Squidward has a tap number. Yes, I saw it at the Tonys. Or oh, I saw it on the Tonys on right. television. And that's the same guy that originated the role of Bert in Mary Poppins. Okay. And if you've seen that show, mm-hmm. he tap dances up the side of the stage and along the ceiling yeah. and then back down the other side. So this guy's like special skill is crazy, bizarre circumstance tap dancing, right? Because he's got four legs right. and he's puppeteering the other legs. Anyway, it was great. great. It was if, a real if, showstopper. If you aren't able to make it to see... SpongeBob SquarePants, watch the Tonys, and you'll see that gentleman's performance. It's out of this world. Yeah, it's touring now, though. It's touring this winter. Oh, then I, you know what? Based on your suggestion, when it comes to Toronto, I'm going to see it. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll see it with you. 
I'll if come. you feel like going to I'll see, go it, see it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there a bomb that you haven't seen that you wish you saw or that you hope comes back? Oh my gosh. You're putting me on the spot. No, that's fine. Take sure. your time. I'm trying to think of uh, – I know that they did – I think in the 60s they did Frankenstein and it was a huge bomb. Oh, yeah. And for some reason I have a fascination. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I once saw – this wasn't a bomb, but it was a bomb for me. I'll talk about it so you can think, think of uh, a bomb that you didn't see that you'd like to see. I saw Beauty and the Beast when it first came out on Broadway. Tom Bosley played – Bell's father, and you might remember him mm-hmm. as Mr. Cunningham from Happy Days. That's how I knew him. I know he's done quite a bit more. He was on Broadway playing the lead role of Fiorello LaGuardia back in when it when it aired when it when it first went up. Mm-hmm. I went, I went long before Disney. I should say this was before Disney was releasing all their movies as musicals. So right. I went thinking it would be. Not the Disney musical, but it would be the original adaptation from the novel. And then I saw the Disney musical on stage. And I was disappointed because I had spent a lot of money. And the best part of it was the fact that I got to see um, Mr. Cunningham on stage. So for me, it was a bomb, even though Beauty and the Beast, as we know, is a huge success. Yeah. Um. My favorite ones are always ones that are based on an established IP. Okay. Uh, and I can't – I'm just having a hard time coming up with one that was like that. But the one I can think of that I didn't see was Napoleon. Oh. And I'm bummed that I didn't see Napoleon, especially because of how high-tech it was. Apparently when when the, was it? When did it come out around? I want to say the mid-'90s. Okay. And so I was too young to, like, take myself somewhere. So long before Hamilton became a huge su- success. Oh, Yeah. We're seeing another leader, <laughs> yeah, Napoleon yeah. on Broadway. Oh, bad, bad, bad. And what? Why did that one fail? Or what? What would you have liked to see from that one? That you're like, oh, I heard that they did this, and they apparently the entire stage was on hydraulics. So when the battle happened, they were all marching uphill, and the entire stage moved so that they were climbing a hill. Oh man, yeah, that's dangerous. Almost as good as I did see Titanic. And when the ship sinks. Wait a minute. There was a Titanic musical? Oh, yes. Based on the James Cameron film? No, it's just based on the Titanic. It has nothing to do with uh, James Cameron. Okay. But when the Titanic sinks, let me tell you, the stage separates and uh, it goes on an angle so that the actors who are, let's say, on on stage right, that's the part of the stage that goes up into the air. So the, the nose of the ship or would that be the tail of the ship? Well, because it breaks in half. Right. So it's the part that's like sticking up in the air before it sinks down. So the high point would be high stage right. And then they would, the actors were sliding along the deck into the wings of the stage, like screaming and sliding while people were singing at the top, holding on for their lives. And the way they ended the show was the curtain came from the ground. So it came from the stage up. So it looked like you were seeing the last of the boats sink. So that was some stunning staging. But I couldn't get past watching these actors slide along the deck of the ship into the wings. I was howling. Was was that the end of the show? Oh, yeah. That's how they ended the show? There was no, like, 
uplifting number of survivors or, or we learned from I, that mistake type of thing. That's how they ended the, I the, don't. If there was, I don't remember okay. it because I was too busy remembering that moment. Like That's that. kind of gloriously amazing. It's unreal. Like I couldn't believe that I was looking at it. Like, and did you purposely go to see that one because it was a bomb or did you go to it because you thought it would be great? I I went to go see it because it had, I don't know if it had won the Tony yet. It won Best Musical, which is to me insane. Okay. Like on like what was its competition that year? I can't remember. But good grief. No. I'm going to have to watch the Tonys to see if they show. They don't a, show that oh, they part. Don't, or a they, number. they do do a number okay. though and it's fine. But okay. it's it's not the ending of the show, which is just what on earth, what's happening here? Before we end the show, we've only got a couple minutes left. A very expensive bomb was Spider-Man the musical. Oh, yes. Did you see that? I did. And that might be what helped really solidify what it is that I look for in theater. Really? To go see. Yeah. Okay. Because I followed that saga. We could do an entire episode just on and my maybe- – my, journey obsession with that show okay uh because i followed it pretty closely while it was happening if you're enjoying this episode please reach out on social media if you want to hear the part two where mark andrada solely talks about spider-man the musical on broadway but please tell me what what resonated with you or what left a lasting impression with you with Spider-Man the musical. There were two moments. The first moment was genuinely beautiful, but so expensive and unnecessary. Um, Mary Jane and Peter Parker are sitting on a... Uh, um, so this is a spoiler alert, but yeah. not that it's going to ever be on stage. No, it'll never, so. And it'll never be in this. Okay. Like Nobody will ever sink this kind of money into it again. They're sitting on a fire escape that is hovering in the air. So they're flown in the middle of the stage. Right. And upstage of them is a black like scrim or psych with holes punched into it in the shape of a web. Okay. If that makes sense. Cool. The place is hazed to all heck. And so there's so much haze and behind that. So scrim, if you have asthma, not the place to be. Well, some people think that it triggers their asthma. Okay. Uh, it's not supposed to. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and behind that scrim are, I'm going to estimate 25 to 35 intelligent lights that are slowly scrolling and moving that I believe were only used for this purpose. Amazing. So they flew in a, like a, like some like some truss or something and they slowly scrolled so the shafts of light that were coming out from behind like shining through the dots like the holes to be web are slowly panning and moving so it's this slow texture behind them and it was gorgeous and all I could think was this one song is very expensive wow. and beautiful. It's so subtle and beautiful. Uh, the other moment was I was sitting maybe in the fifth row right on the aisle and there was a moment when a spider, one of the Spider-Men, because there were many of them, came and sat down next to me waiting for his cue to run up on stage. Oh, that's wonderful. And I was sitting next to my girlfriend at the time and I tapped her and I was like, hey, hey, there's a Spider-Man. And he was right next to me and he looked at me and gave me a thumbs up and then got up and ran to the stage. It's like, what am I looking at? Well, I think we need to end the episode on that because it doesn't get more glorious than that. This wasn't a bomb because I had a great time talking about glorious Broadway bombs with my dear friend, Mark Andrada. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. And your podcast, once again, is called We Like Theme Parks, yeah. which you do with Chris Bond yes. and Dustin Foos. Foos. And you can find that on iTunes, mm-hmm. on Stitcher, 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Mark. And I hope we do do that part two. Yes, please. As always, we hope that you listen and sleep. Mm